Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Um, we've been engaged for just a number of weeks now as a church. Um, ways in which we want to reach out to our friends and people who we know who who sort of live within the area that we are that we sort of operate in as a church and um, we're almost saying that that, it, that we don't they don't need to be our best friends for us to reach out to them uh, with, with the gospel they simply need to be people who are around us who we sort of engage with regularly and and what part of what was encouraging about that video was one of the other things that we've talked about is evangelism begins with prayer it doesn't begin with a strategy or or even boldness it begins in prayer and it's through prayer that God God changes things and then he gives you opportunities to engage with what he's already uh, doing and so uh, we've been using this idea of just writing names on uh, ping pong balls which we originally got from uh, one of the prayer stations actually that they had at St Paul's for a week of prayer and what we've done with it is this and this is our little sort of approach that we were to identify people who we know who, if they were searching for God or they got saved, they might reasonably be expected to come along to your church because it's quite local. That if, if that happened to them, they could come to your church. Secondly, we were going to start praying for those people. And we, we, we try and do that regularly on Sundays. Clearly, some of us are praying for them uh, personally. I'd encourage you in your prayer groups to pray for them when you, if you're in a prayer group. And on Tuesday, we're going to pray for them as we gather together so that we would begin to pray for those people. Uh, thirdly, we would engage with them. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean sharing the gospel. It simply means you're building on the relationship that you already have. And at the same time, you're praying for opportunities. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit works that way with opportunities to take conversations further. And then the fourth thing we were going to do, which was which is quite important, I think, was that we were going to trust God with those people rather than trust ourselves or, or trust the church. We were going to trust God with them. So that would mean that we wouldn't not invite them because we thought, oh, you know, I'm not sure about, our, you know, there's some people at our church I'm not so sure about, or whatever it is. We wouldn't think that. We wouldn't think to ourselves, well, you know, we wouldn't be thinking that. We would go, God, I'm going to bring this person. I'm going to trust you with them. I'm putting them into your hands they're not in my hands I'm not going to be the person who decides whether they're ready to hear the gospel that's your decision that's not my decision and so we were going to trust God with them and then we were going to invite them and uh, you know we're looking to to an alpha course in in the in the autumn term uh, where we we want to invite people but actually this term we've got Toppy coming Toppy Coliosa who's coming on the 29th of June uh, and I'll say more about that towards the end. But he's, he's a great speaker. He's an inspiring, engaging uh, man. And when he comes, it would just be a great morning for people to come along. Even if you don't think they're quite ready, I think it would be just a great environment for them to be in. And so we've been encouraged by that process. I want to thank the guys for doing that video, John and uh, Judith. They just do a great job on those videos. And it's, you know, it's, their, it's their sort of decision. They want to do them. And uh, yeah, I'm just really encouraged by that. And thank you. I don't know where, I don't think Judith's here, but I know John's here. So thank you guys. Okay, so uh, the scripture that we're looking at today 
is John chapter 4, verse 34 to 38. I'm going to read this and then I'll get on. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come to you again this morning as we do every Sunday and hopefully as we do at different occasions in our week. And we ask that you would speak to us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring revelation and understanding and courage to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to make a few observations on this passage. If you know the Bible or the the book of John, this passage comes at the end of um, the story of uh, when Jesus meets the woman at the well. Uh, He he meets the woman at the well. They have a conversation. His disciples have gone off to get food, uh, physical food. They come back with food. He's talking to this woman, which is a little bit strange. They wonder what's going on and, and they engage him in conversation And he says this, which is very strange to them. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And they and they're thinking, what has he did he get food from somewhere else? Or what's he talking about? That's what they're thinking. So that that's where the the story comes from. But it's quite an interesting account of of or insight into how Jesus thinks, because the first thing he talks about is his food. And what he means by that is the thing that, if you like, that is so important to him that, that, you know, for food for us is like, it's basic. Yeah, I mean, you can eat nice food, but as long as you, you need basic food in order to live, in order to survive. And Jesus is saying, my food, the thing that gets me to live, the thing that nourishes me, the thing that causes me to grow is to do the will of him who sent me. That's my food. That's the very thing I'm called to do. And so he talks about his food being to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I was just thinking about that and thinking about this, this almost even challenge that Ruth brought about. Sometimes we don't imagine the, doing the will of God is what we thought. We've got certain things in our minds that God, we think God has for us. God might have other things in mind and, and we're not necessarily even open to that. And I know that I found it, this just personally, um, coming to Beacon has been... Um, a, a wonderful, fruitful experience for me, but it's also been the most challenging experience. And part of that is I was in a big church and I was on, I was on the staff there and um, I played a particular role there. And during the time I was on the staff, the, the, the church, and this wasn't about me, but this is what happened, that the church grew from like 300 to 900 people. And most of those people were new. A lot of those people were new Christians and all this type of stuff. And I was involved in all of that type of thing. And I remember at one point thinking to myself, oh, it was a passing thought. I thought, oh, if I ever left Kings, 
All I've ever known here is growth. All, I, all I've ever known is, is, is testimony after testimony, people being baptised, people being saved, big alpha. That's all I've ever known of church life. Oh, well, and I just carried on. Yeah, thinking, oh, that's just normal. You know, this is how church normally works. And so you have an idea in your mind, partly from your experience, partly from what you're thinking, of what God might want for you. Yeah. If I asked you in the end, most of you would say, yeah, do you know what? Deep down, I think God wants me to do this and that. And, and most of us probably want God to do something in this that's maybe not where we are now. You know, God, there's a big thing for me somewhere. It might not be here. And if you remember last week when Emma was speaking, Emma Ngoga, and she talked about what I wanted to do was to come back from Belgium and I wanted to settle down and find a husband. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and actually God, God had other, other plans. And so we can have these plans. And, and one of our biggest struggles is the reality that the plan that we have doesn't tie up with our reality. I'm, no, but God, God, do you remember you told me that I was going to do this? And yeah, I'm doing this. What, God, what, what's going on? And, 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 you know, God's forever sort of trying to open us up to it. And we're like, no, God, remember, you've already spoken about this. It wasn't to be there. It was to be here. And, and for me, coming from Kings, it was a little bit like that. And I've said this before. It didn't even occur to me to come to church in Brixton. Even, that, even when I came to Beacon and we were, we were a mile up the road, road in Tulse Hill, it didn't even enter my head that we might come to Brixton. I thought, oh, one day, maybe the church will have a small group in Brixton. That'd be good. Yeah, we can be represented there. That'd be good, you know, really, yeah, that sort of place. Um, never entered my head that we would come to Brixton. It never, I had no idea, even when I left Kings, what, what church would look like for me. I was used to growth. I was used to things happening. I was not used to, I was not used to setting up. <laughs> I was not used to that. I was, I, I was not used to, uh, in, my, in the church I was in, and I'm not saying this was right, but for some of the congregation where they had this sort of picture of the leader and they really valued you and they were like really nice to you and they used to, I was used to that. Oh, I mean, yeah, can we help? Pastor, pastor. I was used to that. Yeah? I was used to... Bit, I, that's what I was used to. That was what I grew up in. And, I, and, and if anything epitomised my last church, I did. Yeah? I, I grew up in that church. I grew through that. I was in that church from when I was young. I grew up in it. I became a full-time staff. I was one of the elders at the church. And if anything epitomised that church, I did. And God took me from there. Yeah? And there was one moment where I became really aware, oh, it's different for me now. <laughs> yeah? And that moment was when I was at my old church building and we had a meeting. I can't remember what it was. And I had to collect all the stuff. So I remember collecting a screen and a projector. I remember, and a flip chart. And I remember walking down the road and they all dropped. Yeah? They all dropped. And coming down the road were, were two of the guys who were in that church who were like, oh, Pastor Owen, Pastor Owen. And they were watching me as I was picking up all this stuff. And I was all arms and legs. And I thought, oh, it's different now. Yeah. But and I, even at the time, I was thinking, OK, God, I can cope with this because I'm sure there'll come a day when I'm not doing that bit. So that'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just. And it was almost like God's taken me on such a personal journey. Such a journey. 
Um, and one of just two, two lessons I learned from that journey, I'm learning that journey. One is, it's not my will, it's his will. So then when I read passages like that, they begin to mean something to me. My food is not to do. I thought, oh, even Jesus had a will. And he could have gone and done something else. But he was saying, no, my will is to do the will of him who sent me. And I was like, oh, and and that has been a massive, massive battle for me to go from doing what I thought God wanted me to do to doing what God actually wants me to do. And and it's exactly what Ruth said. I'm here and God has opened up this harvest field, even though in my mind the harvest field might be somewhere else. Oh, God, you just need to get me to that place where I'll be very fruitful, God. Yeah, that place, yeah? This place, I'm just here. This is preparation time. It's just me and God. I don't need to engage because I'm just, just preparing my heart for that place. Actually, God has something for me here, yeah? And sometimes that place may or may not come, but even if it comes, it will come through going through this place. And I, I have found that, uh, that's a big challenge for me. That has been a really big challenge for me. So the idea that this battle of the will, when I've realised, because sometimes my will's not bad, it's not that I just want to lie down or watch the telly, I want to do stuff. But even that's not enough. It's not enough for me to want to do good things if the good things I do are not the things that God's called me to do. So I could help at Food Bank every week and think I'm doing good. If God hasn't called me to do that, then actually, I best not do that. So that battle of my will and God's will has been massive for me. The other battle that's been massive for me is, is simply this. The power of the gospel. And what I mean by that is I think when I came to Beacon and I knew the gospel and I preached the gospel, I'd seen people respond to the gospel on many Many occasions, I think I thought that what happened was if I preach the gospel, some people will respond and they'll make a decision to follow Jesus. And that's wonderful. And, and I'll just add that to the list. OK, that's 45 this year. People responded to the gospel. Wonderful. And, uh, and, and I'll just carry on. And I came to realise that that's not the gospel. <laughs> that's not the gospel because the gospel is this almost 360 degree story and what I mean by that is it's the gospel that I don't just respond to when I get saved it's the gospel that I keep responding to as I grow and that when I lose sight of that when I think to myself oh I became a Christian there was a moment I responded to Jesus I understood the story I walked in I I I made a decision for him boom I'm now in yeah? What I discovered was lots of us had done that, we'd walked in, we'd become Christians and all those types of things, but actually we almost stopped there. And then we were trying to live the Christian life in the strength that we felt we had after that, not realising, oh no, that story is still the story that transforms and changes. That surrendering that I did, that repentance that I did, that forgiveness is all what I still need now. That Holy Spirit that worked in me then, I still need it to work in me now. It's not enough to have come into, into this experience and now I go to church every week and I think to myself, that's great. I, I go to church every week. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I do the things that Christians... You know, I serve at my church. What, what, I serve. 
And not even on a Sunday. I, I, I do other things at my church. I serve. I understand how church works. I know the songs. I can lift my hands. Sometimes we can think that those are the things that make me Christian and that part of my growth as a Christian is when I start to develop in those things. Well, now I lift my hand. No, I didn't used to do that. Yeah. I remember hearing a, a friend's daughter just say this. So she, they came to our church once. They were just visiting. And she said, oh, I can do Hillsong. <laughs> I thought, man, is this Hillsong? Arms in the air. I can do Hillsong. Yeah? Because I realised that what the gospel does, really, is it changes me here. And sometimes that change becomes obvious to others. But you know what? Sometimes it can be massive inside of me and you don't even realise. You don't even realise. Or the changes outside of me are not as obvious in the, as you might imagine. You, you think to yourself, you're, not, you're still not like a nice person. So I'm like, well... I don't know that nice is the answer here. So, so those are two massive lessons that I've been learning. And the reason I say it's been, it's been one of the most fruitful and enriching experiences is I've, I've di- I, and this is the honest truth, I've discovered God in ways I never knew. And I've been a Christian for many years. I've discovered God. I've discovered things that I just had no idea about. Yeah, And so when I read things like my food is to do the will of him who sent me, it helps me because I go, oh, Jesus, the, the will thing was your battle as well. That when we read about the temptation of Jesus and he goes out into the desert and he's tempted, that was real. It wasn't just, oh, there's this sort of symbolic occasion when I went out into the desert and, and uh, you know, I met Satan there. No, it was real that when Satan said to him, I'll give, you the, I'll give you the cities of the world, it was real for him. Now, you can't give me the cities of the world, but I don't need them to be tempted. I'll be tempted by much less than that. Yeah. Don't just offer me, just offer me, offer me something. Yeah. That's my temptation. Doesn't need to be a city. But for Jesus... It was massive. It was real. That's why the Bible says he was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Which meant that there were moments when Jesus had this my will, God's will battle. And you know what? And I'm not just trying to be funny or difficult or challenging. If you don't feel that battle daily, the my will God's will, battle, that tension. If you don't at a point in every day go, no, no, I'm saying no. If you don't do that, then, then something probably needs to change. Because for every Christian, there is a daily, my will, God's will, battle. And it's, it's changed me. I really... I read the Bible differently. Not that I'm necessarily interpreting it differently, but I definitely read it differently. I definitely understand it differently. It definitely has become my food in a way that it wasn't before. Definitely. I pray differently. I pray. Yeah? I I thought I prayed. I pray. (laughs) I thought I prayed. I thought I did stuff. Nothing like what I do now. Nothing. And it's, a lot of it is simply this, that God's almost saying, Owen, I know you thought you knew, but you didn't. And I'm going to show you. 
And so part of that has meant me having to come to God in repentance. Oh God, I can't believe I thought I knew. I can't believe that I, I was putting my thing first. And I'm having to come often with repentance. Oh God, no, it's not my will. No, genuinely. And what that makes you look like, it can make you look a bit dithery. It can make you look like you're a bit powerless. Because you're no longer doing things because you're clever and you've got ideas and you're very... Because I'm naturally quite resourceful. You might not think that I'm quite resourceful. I've got ideas. I do stuff. I'm still a bit like that. But much more, I'm now, okay, God. There is no point in me going down that road if you're not there. All the struggles I face are are not a sign that you are with me. In fact, sometimes they're a sign that you're not with me. Because I'm going on my will and not your will. And so although there's all that struggle and all those difficulty, in my heart I know this. That I am here to do the will of him who sent me. And I find that a battle. I find that a challenge. But do you know what? I'd rather find that a battle than a challenge. Than to not do the will of him who sent me. So it helps me when Jesus says my food. It helps me to realise that he was tempted and that actually he was without sin. And it helps me to know actually it is possible for me to know that my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And sometimes it's the very opposite of what I thought it would be. The very opposite. We can misappropriate verses like God gives you the desire of your heart into thinking God gives you what you want. No, God doesn't necessarily give you what you want. Do you know what he does first? He changes your desire, that you would desire what he wants. If, you're, if you find that easy, God's given me everything, oh, I can't believe this, thank you. No, then, then you just need to think again. Have I found his desire? Have I found it? Even when everyone else is doing the opposite, that's why we have stories like Elijah, Nehemiah, Noah, who stood out, didn't they? Noah stood out. Everyone else was saying, what are you doing, Noah? Look at the sky. Everyone said, look at the sky, Noah. And Noah was like, no, God spoke. God spoke. So we need to get there. And then the other thing that we find in this passage and somebody mentioned it earlier, I'm not sure if it was John when he did communion. Jesus chose the cross. And it's important to realise he chose the cross. It wasn't just that it was an overwhelming thing that he was like, oh, I've got no... No, Jesus chose the cross. And there is that moment where, where he says, like that final moment, where he says, not my will, but yours. We know from this text that he had that battle all the time. But there's that moment right at the end where he says, not my will. He even says to his father, can you take this away? Is there any way that this can exist without me having to go to that place? No, not but not my will. Yours be done. Jesus chose the cross. We need to choose the cross. Do you actually want to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life? Choose the cross. And the cross for you and for me, just like for Jesus, is a place of sacrifice. And it's a place of suffering, I'm sorry to say. It's a place of sacrifice and it's a place of suffering. But the promise is this, if you seek first the kingdom, everything else will be added. 
everything else will be added. Yeah, And the things that are added are the thing, exactly what he wants you to have. So seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added. So then there's this question that comes from this passage. What's the difference between, that I just want to look at, sowing and reaping? What's the difference between sowing and reaping? In fact, do you know what? I'm going to just throw that out. Do you want to answer that question? What do you think is the difference between sowing and reaping? You don't need to be a scholar. You just need to have some thoughts. Okay, I think we're brighter than this class. Come on. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to pick on people, and I don't want to do that. But I will. Okay, Garth. <laughs> What's the difference between sowing and reaping, Garth? Sowing's putting in, reaping's taking out. Very good. <laughs> okay, anything else? Any other differences? They usually happen in different seasons. Very good, yes. One has a bit of hope, the other, other one has a bit of joy. Hey, yo, well, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> yeah, so we're going deep now. <laughs> what Anything else? Difference between sowing and reaping? Yeah. Good. So lots of, lots of good answers there. Putting in and taking out, giving and receiving, hope and joy. There was another one I can't remember. Was your one? Different seasons. I mean, I look at it like this. So you guys, you're so much more positive than I am. (laughs) You are. That's good. That's good. It's good. I'm married to someone who's very positive. It helps me. Um, But on the face of it, sowing can appear fruitless. Is that fair? No, okay. You might like, oh, it's not great. But isn't that fair? Sowing can appear fruit, you know, because I'm sowing some seeds. Now, okay, if I'm if I'm actually ploughing a field, I know what I'm doing. But in reality, in the church, sowing can appear. It can, and it even says in the passage um, when it says that some people, um, you reap what you haven't worked for. Others have done the hard work. Sowing can appear like hard work. Yeah. It can appear fruitless. It can appear hard work. It can appear difficult. It can involve preparing hard, tough ground. You've got to remove things sometimes. You've then got to dig. And we know the story of the sower, that, that seeds don't germinate in places where the soil isn't good. Yeah? You don't get much back if the soil isn't good. So sometimes you have to, you have to work at it in order to sow. And uh, I think about that. I think about my my old church, and you know, for years the old the, the church wasn't like it didn't grow so quickly. It wasn't so big for years. It was like that, and there were people who had been in that church for like seventy years, and so they had been sowers, and it was hard work, and it appeared fruitless and thankless. No one was saying, "Great, you're doing a great." Job. That's what it was like for them at times. Sowing requires great perseverance and faith. Yeah? 
One of the dangers of sowing is you want to give up. Yeah? That's a danger of sowing, particularly when it comes to sort of the kingdom of God and sowing into people's lives and sowing into a place. You can want to give up because you think, oh, God, you know. And if you've ever been out, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a sort of a physical farmer type person, agricultural person. Uh, but, you know, occasionally you go into the garden and I've occasionally plant, planted things. Or on one occasion, my, myself and my father-in-law, we, we, um, we laid a path, yeah, and that meant digging and moving stuff around. And I remember, because I'm not very good at that type of thing, every, like, 15 minutes I would stop. Oh, gosh, this is hard work. And he was, like, 80 years old. Yeah, and I'd be like, oh, this is hard work. Um, and I'd stop and I'd say, coffee break. So just a little bit of a break here. I would wander off. I'd kick a football. I would do anything. Because it's hard work. Just preparing the ground was hard work. And sowing, you can want to give up. That's a danger because you don't see fruit. <laughs> and particularly in these days, because, because although we live in a country that once upon a time was, sort of, was Christian and all those types of things, we still need to sow here. We're not just in a time of reaping and harvest. We still need to sow. But we live at a time where, where we see reaping. We think, oh, surely, surely we should all be reaping now. Surely, surely, we should, should all just be a little bit easier now. Surely, to goodness, we've been doing this for a number of years now. We should be, you know, reaping a harvest. And I'm not even talking specifically about here. I'm just talking about generally, you think, surely the church should be growing now. But we're at a time where we're still sowing. And we've almost moved beyond the time where you would say this place was Christian because as a nation we've taken that Christian idea and we've sort of moved it to the side and we've put it alongside those other things that, do, that are called good works and helps. That's where Christianity now sits, among the good works and helps. And we're about helping people. I'm not saying it's wrong to help people, it's good to help people. But actually, ultimately, that's not what Christianity is about, is it? Christianity is a message that transforms and changes lives. It's about moving from being, being a sinner on your way to hell to being saved and going to heaven. That's why Jesus died. That's why he came. So sowing can be difficult. Reaping, on the other hand, is really obvious. When you reap, there's a harvest that you can see. Out of that harvest, you reap, and there's joy. There's, there's happiness. And, and you, know, you, if you, yeah, you reap, and there's joy. You see the fruits of your labour. The danger of reaping is you can just put too much emphasis on it and you can forget the fact that somebody had to sow. That's why I think this passage is here. That's why I think Jesus says, you know, you're reaping where you haven't sown. So part of what comes with reaping must be humility. It must be. So in my old church, where, where we were, in effect, we were reaping what we hadn't sown. And we knew that because there had been people in that church that had been praying for those 70 years. It wasn't that they just sat there twiddling their thumbs. They were praying, 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 praying. And suddenly there, we're reaping a harvest. And do you know what they did? It was mainly a group of old ladies. Do you know what they used to do? They used to sit in the second row. And the music was loud. They would sit in the second row and they'd be going like this and they, they couldn't hear and it was deafening them. But do you know what? In their hearts they were like, thank you, God that I have seen the fruits of my labour. Thank you, God. 
And that's what they were like. They were the most grateful people. They couldn't get it all. They couldn't understand it all. They used to think, oh, it's so loud. But it it didn't stop them. They still sat in the second row week after week. The drummer's really going for it. Oh, I love playing it really loudly. And the bass is there. And there's lots of singers and there's lots of movement. None of that was there when they began. But it was all there now. But they were like, thank you, God. And this passage, what they did was exactly what happens in this passage. You see, reaping is obvious. It is a harvest you can see. It does bring joy. But you can overemphasize it. But the Bible says this, one man sows and another reaps. I.e., God doesn't value the reaper more than he values the sower. Yeah? You're not more special because you are part of the reaping scene. And you need to understand that if you're ever part of the reaping scene. I am not more gifted than the person who sowed. I am just different. The chances are I could not have sown in the way that they did, faithfully, patiently, perseveringly. I couldn't have done it, but I reap. And in the kingdom, sowing and reaping is different, and it's for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's this, that the sower and the reaper can celebrate and rejoice together. That's exactly what I've described in my old church. You've got, you've got people who sowed and people who reaped, and they celebrate and rejoice together at the harvest. Now, that's an amazing thing that can happen. It doesn't, it doesn't happen in the normal process of sowing and reaping, but it does happen when you sow and reap in the kingdom. You can celebrate and rejoice together. And then the other thing that happens in the kingdom that doesn't normally happen if you think of sowing and reaping in an agricultural sense is you can reap what you've never sown. You can come in quite legitimately and reap a harvest where you didn't plant a seed. And so reaping requires humility, but it also requires us to understand some stuff. So although you might be sowing, at the same time as sowing, you can also be reaping. You're reaping what someone else has sown and you're sowing things that one day you might reap, but someone else might reap. And it's not simply about whether or not I can reap. It is about my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what it's about. It's not about, well, you know, I want to see, you know, I sense God's called me to reap. So I'll just put myself in a place where I think I can do that. No, your will is to do, it's the will of him who sent you. Jesus does tell us, though, that the fields are ripe for harvest. And do you know what that means? That there is a harvest to be reaped of which many of us have never sown a seed. But it's there. It's right there. And it was interesting when Ruth brought that word about sometimes God's put this thing before you. It's right there and you don't see it because you're looking for the thing. You're looking over and right here God has put a harvest for you to reap. One of the reasons that we do this, this, the prayer basket and those table tennis balls and the names is for that reason, in order that we can reap. Yeah, We can reap where we haven't sown. So other people have sown in places. Uh, one of uh, a great story from when I was at my last church and I was running the Alpha course there was there was a guy who came on Alpha and he got saved. And it was quite a dramatic testimony. And, and you know, he just came along and he got saved. And it was like, yeah, so, so we reaped, if you like. And then when you heard his story, and you realise that, oh, okay, in order to get to Alpha, 
I can't remember them all. This guy described four independent separate occasions where somebody mentioned the Alpha Course to him. So he wasn't a Christian, didn't go to church, wasn't even thinking about God. I think he met up with a girl and she talked about Alpha. I think he was on a tube and he saw a poster for Alpha. He met someone else and coincidentally they mentioned it. They just mentioned Alpha. So much so that he thought, what is this Alpha? What is this Alpha that everybody keeps talking about? So he came on the course. And having come on the course, he got saved. Yeah? And so then I look great because I'm leading the course and look, Dave, yeah, his guy, look, tell your testimony, Dave. Oh, wow, it's not dumb. I didn't, I didn't sow anything here. I just reaped. Yeah? Now, I think differently about that nowadays. I wouldn't be like, oh, Dave, yeah, 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 look, look. I wouldn't do that now. I did that then because I hadn't realised all these other things that God's teaching me um, about what it means to sort of follow him. But I hadn't, we hadn't sown anything. We were just reaping a harvest. Other people had sown. Other people had done the hard work. Other people had done the praying. Other people had done the inviting. Other people had had those awkward moments. And then one day someone else reaps. And some of those other people might never have known that that had happened. Because Dave wasn't necessarily going to send out a message to all his friends. Hey, everyone, I've become a Christian for all of those who you've been praying. No, he was never going to do that. So you sow and you sow and you sow. And you don't know where or how someone will reap. But principle, you sow. So the fields are white unto harvest. So I realised, just, just being really practical for a moment, that whilst we're praying for people and we're doing this series on evangelism and we're, and we're just thinking about, more thinking about people who are around us, not necessarily our best friends, just thinking about people who are around us, I realised that there may well be people who are ready to be reaped. Because someone else has been sowing in them. There may be people that we're sowing into that they're, they're thinking, what is this gospel you're talking about? They don't know. But there may be other people who for years people have just sown. They've been prayed for, prayed over. And you've come along and now you're in a position maybe to reap. And it's interesting because the story before Jesus talks about my food, as I said, was... Uh, the woman at the well. And she becomes somebody who becomes quite evangelistic. She meets Jesus, they have a conversation. It's all a bit patchy theology, it's all a bit awkward. But what does she do? She runs away from Jesus and she says to the people, Can't just come and see a man. Can't come and see a man who told me everything. C- could he be it? Could he be the Christ? That, that's basically her testimony. Come see a man, he told me everything. I ever did. Could he be the Christ? And as a result of that testimony, loads of people come, they meet Jesus for themselves and they get saved. Now that woman didn't, it wasn't clear that she expounded anything more than that, that she didn't say anything. She wasn't even liked by the people. It wasn't like she was bringing her best friends to Jesus. This woman probably didn't have any friends when you understand her story. She was an outcast, but she goes back to the community. She says, come, just come meet a man. And for some of us, that's to be our approach. Just, just, just come. It's not about toppy. Yeah, let me just get that out. It's not about toppy, but it is about an environment in which somebody might go, oh my goodness, I didn't know people thought about God like that. I didn't know people prayed like that. I didn't know, pe- I didn't know that people thought God was like that. 
that he could be personal, that he could be almost... One of the testimonies that people often say when they're just coming into faith or just beginning to look in, I didn't know people thought God was so personal, that he's so sort of real to them. So for some of us, it's about come see a man. Could he be the Christ? So we're inviting uh, Toppy to come. Uh, well, actually, we'd already invited him, to be honest. We'd invited him months ago. It just so happened as we got here, I thought, oh, maybe we could use that Sunday. I hadn't even thought about it before, to be honest. But it would be inviting people into an encouraging, faith-filled environment where they might leave with just a slightly more positive, clearer picture of who the Jesus is that you worship. Oh, right, so that's, oh, right. I'd never thought that. I also want us to do it because I want us to take the reality of those balls with names on and it becomes more than just a picture. It becomes a reality that some of those people might one day be in this room. And that builds faith. That stirs faith. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing if, if some people who we were praying for ended up being in the room and maybe, maybe even get saved? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't, isn't that what we're praying for? Isn't that what we're believing for? Because the gospel is this active event in our lives. So just in conclusion, those two lessons that I learned, there's a battle for the will. My will, his will. And Jesus had that very same battle. And I know we have that battle because I'm, I'm, in that sense I'm normal and I have that battle. If you're aware of that battle, that's good. To become aware of that battle, start submitting. Start surrendering yourself and you'll discover there's a battle for the will. It's not about for being a Christian. We're all Christians. If you're, you, you understand if you're a Christian. But it's about, it's about the will and whether or not I will do. Jesus was always the son of God. Yeah? When he came to earth, he, was, he came as the son of God. He had been in heaven with his father. Yet when he came to earth, he had a battle for the will. It's not about being saved. It is about surrendering and following. And secondly, it's just that recognition that the gospel changes everything. Believe in the gospel. Don't just believe in nice stuff believe in the gospel it's the power of god for salvation for everyone who believes it and that anyone anyone can believe it you know it's whosoever would believe that's what the gospel is whosoever would believe so we've got that date the 29th which is if you like a practical response but for some of us there's a there's a deeper response so we're going to pray i'm just going to pray now I don't even know whether we're going to do a song. I'm going to pray. Father, we do want to thank you that uh, you're a living God and that by your Holy Spirit you speak to us. And that today you, you, you spoke, you know, even when Ruth came out and, and, and Pauline shared and they, 
They shared about that little battle that there is for finding the will of God. And sometimes we, we look for it in the wrong place. I think God's over there when he's here. And so I, I pray for each of us this morning. I, I pray that that battle for the will, that battle for my food, I, I pray, God, that in each of us, you'll win it. You'll win it. That we will be those that, that really surrender ourselves and give ourselves. And I pray also, Father, that we would remember as your word often reminds us to, to, to stick to what we first believed. Remember what you first believed about God, about Jesus. Remember when you first surrendered. Remember when you first asked him for forgiveness. Remember when you first prayed, Lord, and you meant it from your heart. Remember that moment. And God doesn't just want to remind you, he wants to bring you back there. To that place of of your first love your first moment of surrender God wants to take some of us back there not that we can be nostalgic but that we can move on he wants to take you back he wants you to know in the depth of this relationship that surrender and submission and forgiveness and repentance are there as well as freedom, as well as joy, as well as hope, as well as gratitude. They're all there. They're all there. Some of us, we just need to go back in order that we can go on. So Father, I pray that you would, by your spirit this morning, do in the hearts of your people whatever it is you want to do. I pray for that in Jesus' name. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.